sound is moving particles. Sure. And when someone says something and then that resonates with you, like the word resonate, that is physically what's happening. You are moving different parts of your like neurochemistry in response to what they said or what sound you heard. Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. Sound plays a more important role in human behavior and our decision-making than you may realize. In this podcast, I'll help you understand the art and science of sound so you can better influence others in business and your life. I'm your host, Jody Krangle. Let's delve a little deeper. This is the first part of my interview with Dr. Lilach Saperstein. My next guest is an audiologist with a specialty in helping parents of children with hearing loss, explaining test results and providing information, support, and guidance. She obtained her doctorate of audiology at the CUNY Graduate Center in New York and also has experience working with patients of all ages. She's worked as both a clinical and an educational audiologist. My podcast is far from the first one she's been on, as she's often called upon to be an expert guest. I can see why. She also knows a lot about podcasts in general, as she hosts one of her own, the All About Audiology podcast, which has been downloaded more than 27,000 times. When not supporting other families, she's busy raising her own. She and her husband have three bilingual daughters and live in Israel. Her name is Dr. Lilach Saperstein, and you can find out more information about her at allaboutaudiology.com. For now, settle in for one great conversation. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Lilach. This is awesome. Um, I have wanted to talk about this subject for a while, and it's hard to find people that are wanting to do that on a podcast. (laughs) Oh, I want to talk about hearing all the time Uh and audio. Yes, that is my jam. That's good. That's good. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> so how are you doing over there? You you mentioned a, another lockdown? Yes, we are in lockdown and we are doing our best to enjoy the sun from our porch. Yeah. And um, we're grateful for uh, grocery deliveries and Zoom and <laughs> Aren't all they the great? rest of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Better you than know, nothing. I heard someone say it might be our last lockdown. So really take advantage. And I was like, all right, all right. All you gratitude people, pipe down for a minute. <laughs> yeah, enough is enough. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. <laughs> so getting on to the actual topic of this podcast. <laughs> yes. I wanted to ask what your background is in all of this. Like, how did you get interested in audiology? Where did that all start? So at first I wanted to do medicine. I was going to be a doctor. I was going to go that pre-med and then med. And then I got to chemistry and I was like, you know, maybe we need to rethink this decision. (laughs) Okay. But the reason I wanted to do medicine was because it's, it's, you know, about person to person care. I'm very social. I love people. And how fun it would it be that I could help people because of something that I know, Uh like not just knowledge to have it, but actually to make a difference. So I felt like that was significant. And I was also really into linguistics and languages. There's kind of like a culture fascination being from kind of two different cultures and moving and speaking different languages at home. And so I was studying linguistics just for fun. And that kind of led me into the speech and hearing department. And I was like, wait a minute, there's this integration here that audiology is about. It's a medical profession. You will see patients, but it's really focused on communication 
and on connection and all the other things that also were really important to me. So I was like, okay, I could still be in medicine, but not do any chemistry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And actually integrate some of my most deepest passions for helping people that matters, like their relationships and their communication. So that's what I do now. And I love it. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, Getting into the actual science of this, considering I know you went to school for this. <laughs> uh, for eight years. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, can you explain to, like, me, basically, because I really don't understand the, the whole biology of it, uh, how we hear? Sure. Um, I, I know you've mentioned before the, the limbic system and the auditory system to me, but, like, if you can explain, that would be great. Totally. Okay, so... We hear with our ears. That's the sound, the the organ that brings in the sounds into our head Mm -hmm. and up to our brain. But there's actually a whole pathway, a bunch of stations that the sounds have to go through in order to be heard, perceived. Um, And so sound, I'm sure you're obsessed with sound. So you know about sound waves. (laughs) Yeah, vibrations. Sound waves. Like it's it's literally moving particles in the air, in waves, in, in, you know, sine waves moving particles. So that all of that movement is moving around the air and then it hits your eardrum. It gets funneled in by your ear, the ear the ear canal and then into the eardrum. The eardrum is like a drum. It's it moves in response to those sounds. It's so sensitive and then that vibration gets passed along to the middle ear where you have the tiniest bones in your body. And those little bones are like a chain. One hits the next which hits the next and then that moves into your inner ear where you have your cochlea. And that looks like a snail shell. It has bone. It's like part of your skull, basically. Mm-hmm. But it is bone. And inside of there is this very special kind of fluid that is supposed to be there. Not like when we talk about someone having an ear infection, that's fluid in the other part. But this kind, it's the uh, fluid that's inside the cochlea. And then that mo- the, the sound waves and the vibration move through that liquid. So what happens in there, you could think about it like the ripples in a pond. uh, And then that moves a lot of the the liquid in very specific ways, the fluid in there. And then you have this whole ocean of amazing cilia, little hair cells, baby hair cells that look like an entire lawn of grass all throughout your cochlea. And then they wiggle in response to all the movement in the fluid. And they are connected to nerve endings, which connect to your auditory nerve which take you up to the brain. Wow. So that's the short answer. <laughs> that is complicated. Oh, my goodness. And, yeah, I can yeah. imagine if, like, one little tiny part of that goes wrong. Exactly. If you have wax, if you have an ear infection, if something's up with the bones, if, you know, if there's anything with the liquid in the cochlea, mm-hmm. if there's anything with the hair cells, and all of that are different causes of hearing loss. Yeah. But all this is just to get the sounds in, like just perception. Now what happens next, in my opinion, is even more exciting and fascinating. And that's what our brain does with what we hear. Mm. Where does this go? Where does it get processed? What does it mean? Because you can hear someone speaking Cantonese, but if you don't know Cantonese, that is meaningless to you. That's true. (laughs) Yes. Right? So language is a whole nother layer of processing, of putting meaning to the sounds you're hearing. And yes, there is a connection between our auditory part of our brain and the limbic system, which are different parts of the brain that are the emotions. So when we hear music, how that affects us, 
when we hear even specific words and their connotations. So everything's really always having this feedback loop and the brain is, I mean, wow. Let's it's amazing. Talk. Neuroscience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Why is our sense of hearing so crucial to emotional relationships? Like, you know, emotion is like how we guide our lives. I mean, <laughs> you know, we try with logic, but. <laughs> yeah. So I would like to give my my real kind of spiritual metaphysical answer for that one. <laughs> sure. Which, which is that it's, you know, I, I kind of hate going to like the vibration route. Mm -hmm. like, oh, high vibrations. But yeah. it's literally true. Like yeah. it's the science is that sound is moving particles. Sure. And when someone says something and then that resonates with you, like the word resonate, that is physically what's happening. You are moving different parts of your like neurochemistry in response to what they said or what sound you heard. Mm -hmm. So like I don't know so much about all that stuff, the way people talk about it, like in a spiritual way, whatever. But from a neurophysics way, my gosh. Uh, I think it's it's such a moving, like, again, you have that word. Things are moving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even resonance is a vibration. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think we have a lot of the relationship between things that we hear and how that affects us emotionally. I mean, that's true for all our senses. Like, you could feel something tactily or visually, and different senses will give you also, obviously, emotional input. But this is my jam, so. Yeah. I feel like there is a special place for the timbre of your voice, like the tone, minor keys and major keys. Like there's so much there. And yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's because we cry when, you know, when you cry for help as a, as evolutionarily, you're a little baby, you got to be annoying. So we have to like attach that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> have yeah. I been spending too much time with my kids? <laughs> it's a lockdown. I don't think I do you're alone. <laughs> Just yeah. putting that out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they better be cute is all. <laughs> right. So it, and then it, there you go. Like it's true also visually that we are we think little and miniature things are cute mm -hmm. for that reason, too. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. We want to take care of them. <laughs> yes. That is a good thing. Are you looking for ways to improve your company's or podcast's impact? You'd be surprised how powerful the use of an intentional audio branding strategy can be. Want to know more? I have a free downloadable PDF that gives you my five tips for implementing an intentional audio strategy at voiceoversandvocals.com slash audio-branding-strategy. That location does ask to put you on a mailing list just to send you updates on when the new podcasts come out. But if you really don't want to give your email out, I understand. Just contact me directly. My email is all over my website. And I'll make sure you get that PDF without needing to sign up anywhere. If you do sign up, though, you also get access to a resources section called The Studio, where I have videos, white papers and PDFs, discounts from my guests, and snippets of audio from my guests that no one else gets to hear. So maybe it's worth your while. Totally up to you. And of course, if you're looking for voiceovers, you can get in touch with me about that, too. Now, back to the podcast. So uh, emotionally, we respond very strongly to sound. And uh, I, I wanted to ask you also, because I know that there are reasons that we would lose our hearing over time. And, um, you know, if you could 
talk about how common it is to lose hearing and what might cause it, that would be a good thing for us to think about preventatively. (laughs) Yes. So in adults, it's about, you know, 30% of people over 60 and something like 50% of people over 70 will have some kind of hearing loss. So as we age, that is kind of the typical uh, aging process that we lose some of that high frequency hearing and that affects really the quality of the sound, the clarity of speech, mm-hmm. and those super high S's and F and all those high sounds. So that is, you know, something that comes with aging, but that doesn't mean it shouldn't also be treated and addressed. And there's way that, ways that we can help give people access to those sounds. I can't believe it. Hi. <laughs> we are now interrupted. Now you have to say hi to my friend. Say hi. <laughs> Hello. I thought I thought you were sleeping. Hi. Say hi to hi, hi to Jody. Hi. Hi. Would you like to go go to the bathroom and then find Abba? Okay. Ima's on a call, please. Thank you. <laughs> Is that gonna work? I can't. I can't believe she's awake. She went to sleep like an hour ago. Ugh. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Love that kid. You can take that out if you want. Or leave it in. Either <laughs> we way. could leave it in. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> so okay. we were talking about hearing loss Thank in you. older people. Okay, yeah. yes. So that is part of regular mm-hmm. aging. Okay. But at the same time, uh, you know, I just want to say there's a lot of things we can do to help. So mm-hmm. it's not just like, oh, that's what happens. And then go yeah. and isolate and not have, you know, options to communicate with so people. So what options are there? Still be part of your life. Yeah. Um, Well, seeing an audiologist, first of all, to get a real test and know how much hearing, what frequencies, and everyone is very specific, individualized care, but there are hearing aids, there are other communication devices, and also just being aware of what the problem is, then Mm -hmm. you could manage your environment, like not have the TV on while you're talking to someone or speaking when your back is turned, Yeah, things like that. So, you know, addressing it. Mm -hmm. Just in general. I wouldn't say there's one thing we want to do for everybody. No, it's probably different for everybody. Yeah. Yes. But other things that could happen to adults is one thing that unfortunately is becoming more and more common is noise-induced hearing loss. Uh And that is hearing loss because of exposure to noise, loud, loud sounds. And when we talk about noise exposure, it's two things. It's the dose. uh, So that means also how long you're exposed to it for how many hours Mm -hmm. and also the volume, how loud. And so those have to kind of balance out. If something is super loud, you should be there less time. And if something is less, then you can kind of get away with more time. But we're talking about, you know, rock concerts. That's way too much, my friends. Mm. Nobody's been to rock concerts this year. But (laughs) even... (laughs) Not for a while. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But even like uh, power tools, gardening, uh, shooting guns, like any of the stuff that makes firecrackers. I don't know. Yeah, I'm uh, sure there's being lots. Being an airplane. Yeah. <laughs> all yeah, those things. Definitely. And then occupationally, people who work in factories or work with loud machinery, things like that. Mm-hmm. So that definitely we can try to introduce some uh, hearing protection, which would either be earplugs. And some of those can even be made custom that they only dampen the sound but don't make it uh, not clear. They kind of filter out the speech frequencies so you could still be able to communicate but they kind of dampen the sounds that are bothersome. So, yeah, that that would be an important thing to keep in mind for even our young 20s and 30s and 40s people. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, good thing to keep in mind. 
And the other very common thing is that we're all using headphones all day long this on Zoom. This is true, yeah. And just try to lower the volume that you hear it as much as you need and it's not louder than that. And one of the ways to tell is that if, uh, if well, maybe if you're not with someone, but if other people are around and you can't hear them from three feet away, it is too loud. You uh-huh. don't need that to be that loud. <laughs> okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> or even just like take it off for a second and remember what your environment is and then calibrate to that. Because if you're in your own room, it doesn't have to be so loud. <laughs> a good point. Yeah. A lot of gaming is like that too. So definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in order to reach people with hearing loss, I know that you do help people on their websites and all sorts of things in their communications. Um, How is it, uh, how can you make it easier to communicate with people who might have some hearing loss? Absolutely. So when we're talking about audio and even video, there are some things you can do to make your content even more accessible. And that would be number one, not to have very loud background music or background music that is even equal to, let alone empower, overpowering uh, the audio that you want to be heard. And that almost seems so obvious, but whatever your balance is, bring it down even a bit more. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Because that's something that could be distracting or to put your music at the beginning and the end, but not really during when there's speech. Um, I've, I think we've all had the experience of listening, especially to those loud, jarring commercials on radio that they just like Mm -hmm. pop out of nowhere. And it's like, why, why did you have to do that to me? Now I have a negative (laughs) feeling about your product or your Uh service, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So in general, try to be kind and get to that positive emotional resonance with your audio. Yeah. I think having a sonorous, lovely voice might also help there. So depends. It might. Yeah. Like think about who your voice talent is. And what mm-hmm. what emotion you you want to come through by their voice. Yeah. Speaking of emotion, actually, because yes. I wanted to get into this, too. Why do you think we have such an emotional response to sound? I mean, beyond the evolutionary point of this, there's got to be something more to it. Yes. I think that it has to do with our primary mode of communication as a species, which also is kind of our unique thing about humans Mm -hmm. (laughs) that lots of lots of other species communicate definitely like bees dancing and ants and and all the other ways that primates and everybody but there's something about speech which is the inherent power of humans I think and language in general that is such a complicated way of sharing what you're thinking about sharing your messages and having that be understood at least some of the time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And of course, there's other ways to communicate. There are signed languages and we also write and that's written and visual and we have different modalities. But I think the speech is that real time emotional thing. And it hasn't been like that in a couple centuries (laughs) since we could record things. A couple decades. Did I exaggerate? Sorry. (laughs) but you know I guess since like recording because the only the thing was if you write a letter then you could read it 600 years later but if you said something someone had to be there to hear it before we could record it technologically (laughs) that's very true yeah so yeah the voice and the hearing this is very complex thing I I 
I feel very close to it. I don't know if I have a better answer than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a pretty good answer. I mean, okay. we are emotionally charged when we hear something. It just automatically creates an emotion in yeah. us. We can't help it. Um, I, I was actually um, hearing that there is a tie between our sense of hearing and our sense of smell in the brain. And I don't know why that is. And I don't know if anyone studying that has actually figured out why yet either. But it's really kind of fascinating to consider that. <laughs> I have to look into that. I haven't heard yeah. about that. I'd be curious to hear what you think hmm. about that. Yeah, uh, I will get back to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was going to ask specifically, because I talk a lot about how we're influenced by sound in advertising. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on how an advertiser could better reach their audience with sound and what, you know, what considerations they might want to take into account. Okay. So I think that very properly placed sound effects might also have that, what you're talking about. Like if you're going to put down the sizzling steak in your commercial and you f and you can almost smell that I, I could see how there's a big connection there sure um and also things that are surprising like having a bell or having something that's like transient all of a sudden out of nowhere will get people's attention and I think it's also definitely cultural you have to have some kind of cultural sensitivity to who your audience is True. some some cultures are are very tonal definitely their sound it Plays also has like different connotations. Um, rising, you know, like Australians that finish all their sentences like this, but it wasn't questioned. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> that takes a yeah. while to get used to. Yeah. So, you, you know, thinking about all those different linguistic and cultural things besides for just the, the, the audio, but also thinking about the pacing. How fast are you getting those words out? And is that too fast for someone who has any kind of hearing loss or processing speed in general, but you also don't want to be too slow because then you're boring. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to really fit that, that sweet spot where you could hear everything clearly and understand the message. You know, it's not easy to be in advertising and audio. <laughs> no, it really isn't. And yeah, there are a lot of ads that are 15 seconds or less. So, I mean, how many words can you get in there that allow people to understand what you're saying? Definitely. So, yeah. Okay, so I have a tip as well, which would be when you're writing your copy or whoever's doing the copy for the message mm -hmm. to read it out loud, even as you're saying it, because if it's going to be used for audio, then you want to make sure that you're not like doubling up on a bunch of S's together or that there's a word that's hard to pronounce or a word that's not as common, commonly said. Um, even a simple thing like often, do some people say often or often? And mm -hmm. now like for some people, that's like a, huh, who said, who says often? I don't know about that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, so yeah. think, are you going to make a decision about what that sounds like? Uh, so just change another word and say most of the time or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't use the word often. Yeah, yeah. Or, it or makes do. sense. Mm -hmm. Or or often. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> you don't want to distract from what you're saying with yes. the words you're using. Very or the true. sounds or the voice or the music. Basically, don't be distracting. That's <laughs> that's the message. <laughs> 
I know that we're all dealing with a lot of stuff these days, so I particularly wanted to acknowledge those that have taken the time to leave honest reviews of this podcast. Like Elaine Grant, who called the show insightful, practical, eye-opening. As a veteran public radio producer and host, she says, and now an entrepreneur running a podcast consultancy, I thought I knew about the world of audio. Truth is, I knew just a small slice of this big and important world. I've learned so much from every episode. I need to re-listen and furiously take notes. I can't recommend audio branding highly enough. Thank you for taking the time to leave your comment, Elaine. It means so much to me. And now, back to the show. So how do you not be distracting but still catch attention? That's the trick, and that's the yeah. the subtle nuance, I guess, of advertising. Yeah. Um, Those first three seconds. Yeah. I guess a lot of people do it with humor. They try with humor. Ah. And that sort of um, allows them to get away with a lot of other stuff. <laughs> but it really does. It depends on a lot of things. Um, but yeah, these days it's harder than ever just to get people's attention because, you know, there's so much going on around us. Like even noise wise, you know, there's we create noise <laughs> as human beings. We create noise yes. with all of the tech and all of the stuff that's running on a, around us. So, Definitely. yeah. And what happens when we get in a quiet environment is that a lot of people experience tinnitus or ringing or buzzing or what's that sound that's not mm -hmm. really there. And so what causes like, that? Well, actually, that's happening all the time mostly for, for majority of people, you're just not hearing it because you do have your fridge running and and the water and your phone and you're this and you're that. And it's only yeah. when you're in a quiet, calm environment where you're like, huh. And then you start to hear it and then you worry about it and say, wait a minute, is something going on? Am I? Am, is this normal? And then you give it even more power. You kind of make mm. this feedback loop of, of anxiety around it and that actually makes it stronger. Mm. So mm -hmm. um, tinnitus is kind of a normal typical function of our bodies. And the only time when you should get, get it checked out is, uh, is if it's really d uh, impairing your functioning. It's mm. getting in the way of okay. your sleeping or it's really bothering you from focusing. But for the majority of people, it's kind of a thing they notice every once in a while, especially after they were in a very loud place. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's it kind of like recalibrating. <laughs> So is it kind of like the overabundance of vibration starting to calm down again? Is that what, what's happening or how, did, how is it caused? Okay, so we don't have a very clear understanding of what tinnitus is, but there's some theories about it being um, electrical activity of your nerves. Interesting. That they are, yeah, there's just kind of this firing that is not coming from anywhere outside the body. It's just like all this kind of internal noise. Which, uh, you know, our, our GI system makes internal noise all the time when sure. our stomach rumbles and things. Oh, yeah. And, we and, hear yeah, it. And you're like, okay, I'm hungry <laughs> or I ate a big meal. Like, you uh -huh. understand what those signals are, so you're not concerned sure. about them. Uh, unless you should be, and then you better see a GI. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of that same that same thing. Our, our ears kind of produce their own sound as well. And that becomes more of a problem when people do have hearing loss because their system is saying, where's all the sound? So the, the nerve kind of makes it up themselves. So that's another theory, mm -hmm. kind of like oh. a phantom limb. Okay. And yeah. that people have a lot of pain from a phantom limb because that their sensors are are like, where is all the input from this limb? Mm -hmm. And sometimes when people have hearing loss and tinnitus and they address the hearing loss, maybe with hearing aids or other devices, then that helps them not notice the tinnitus as much and 
they're more engaged with the sounds that they want to hear. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how does Mm -hmm. one treat that kind of thing? Uh, Okay. (laughs) I mean, if it really is a problem, if it's something that's that's hampering your day to day life. Yes. Uh, Things that help a lot of people would Mm -hmm. be to have some extraneous sounds like turning on a fan or maybe a sound machine. Not too loud. Very gentle. So white noise. Yeah. Yeah. Just to kind of have something else that the brain could focus on. But you Mm -hmm. don't want to overdo that because now you're dependent on it. And you're also giving the tinnitus so much power like, oh, I'm afraid that I'm going to hear the tinnitus, so I have to put on this other noise. Mm -hmm. And listening to music is very helpful, but only if you like music. Don't go in and just put on music and then now you hate the music. That's bothering you, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Basically try to find ways also to soothe your entire nervous system meditation, relaxation, stretching, all those things can affect how your whole entire body is reacting to this input. This has been part one of our interview. I hope you'll tune in next week for part two. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, why not tell a friend about this podcast? It's available in all the usual locations. Until next time, 